Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here with Spring and Andrew, your sexperts who love to talk about sex, sexual health, relationships. Hi, Andrew. Hey, Spring. How are you? I am so great. I'm so great. I feel like I just saw you. I did just see you. That's why I'm so great, because it's so good to see you in person. It was um, super fun. We got to hang out in Manhattan. We got to hang out in New Jersey. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, then we got to see each other. Um, shout out to CSA. We are at a sex conference and we got to talk about our work with the podcast and our listeners and how awesome all of you are. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, how did we get there, Sprig? We took the New Jersey transit from New York City into Newark, New Jersey, and the New Jersey transit is pretty great. I mean, it runs maybe like every half hour, the train line we were on. Um, and we caught a lovely train and we took that into Newark and only had... It was painted pink on the inside. Was, yeah. And we got a seat for three, but there were only two of us on it. So we had lots of space. Mm-hmm. And we only had and one disaster. <laughs> what disaster could, what, would that be? I mean... I do like to talk, (laughs) and the car said that we were allowed to talk. It just had a sign saying, talk quietly like you're at the library, which I took to mean I can just talk normally, and I I tried to be, like, conscious of, like, people around us, and I think I was, but the man in front of us- Excuse me, Spring. (laughs) This is the quiet car, (laughs) ma'am. And the thing is, that's what a guy said. He's just like, turned around over a seat. There was less than 15 seconds of the train ride before we were getting off, before he felt the desire, the need to kind of lash out. He didn't say it to me. I was talking too. Yeah, and and I don't think I was talking loudly. And I think I was talking, you know, at a reasonable volume. And everybody had headphones in and couldn't even hear us anyway. Uh so I'm not really sure why I got yelled at unless it was just my pink hair kind of sparking his anger. <laughs> I don't know. I think it was kind of funny because Spring yells at me all the time on our show when I do things out of order or when I'm a little rowdy or when I go on a tangent. I don't yell so at you. I just rein you in. <laughs> I, I do need a lot of rain. <laughs> um, all right. So, so it was super fun. Um, I, I was really happy to see you. Um, I'm sorry that, that you got yelled at on the train, but hopefully we made up for it with some of the other fun events that we did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Other than getting yelled at, I had a great time. So, um, and even getting yelled at was actually pretty funny because we started laughing almost immediately. It had the opposite of the intended effect with the guy. All right. So what's our question today? So today our question comes from a listener and our listener says, how can I keep up with my girlfriend's crazy high sex drive? As in she wants sex like two to three times a day. I love this question. Thank you for asking. Um, And it, I mean, the reason why I love it, it's kind of flipping that script in reverse, right? We almost always hear from women like, 
my boyfriend wants sex two or three times a day and I'm just not interested. It's too much work. It's not enough. And women end up feeling like they're the sexual gatekeeper. Like they're the ones who always have to say no. In this case, it's reversed where it's the man who's saying, I don't know if I can keep up with, with the sex drive of my new girlfriend. I almost said new crazy girlfriend, but no, it's my new girlfriend's crazy high high yeah and i mean what's really interesting is that there are a lot of couples that have what we call discordance of sexual desire meaning that it's different between the couple and so when there's a difference in sexual desire for how often you're having sex that's actually one of the main reasons people go to sex therapy because that can cause quite a lot of discomfort in a relationship when one partner wants sex significantly more than the other partner. It's actually, if you look at married couples, if you look at rationales and reasons for divorce, discordant sexual drive, discordant libido um, is one of the primary drivers of divorce as well. Um, Libido is just another word for sex drive. It's whenever you get all turned on and feel like jumping someone's bones or (laughs) banging or gently caressing, whatever it is that you want to do. That's what libido is. Um, And I think in society, we're pretty good about talking about men's libido and men's sex drive. Like there's just this expectation that all men are going to want sex all the time. Um, And that's certainly not the case. Yeah, I had, I actually had a student in Sydney who was working with me who was doing research on exactly this on um, men who were in relationships with women where the men had the lower sex drive because it is actually a significant problem. There are quite a lot of couples in this situation, but it doesn't really get the press because. Um, stereotypically in our society, men are supposed to have that high sex drive. So if men don't have a high sex drive, it's often not talked about. And sometimes they will just try to keep up with their partner, you know, kind of trying to keep up with this expectation that they're supposed to have this high sex drive. Well, and sometimes with men, I mean, with men and women, but with men, there's actually some biological things going on where eventually the male body won't get an erection, won't be able to ejaculate, won't be able to orgasm. And I I mean, I'm not saying that that's what all sex is about, but when we look at the discordant couples, often there's an expectation that every act of sex that a man has will have an erection, insertion, orgasm, and ejaculation. And biologically, that's impossible. Like for, for a lot of men, they need you know, some men, it's only five minutes, 10 minutes, or 15 minutes between rounds of sex. Other times, though, it's an hour or two hours or even 12 hours before they're ready to go. Um, But in this kind of situation, um, and I kind of love that the way that the question was asked, I I think that there's a lot of suggestions that we can make that will help the couple and help address the overall issue and make it a non-issue or even make it a fun issue. And I think we're going to talk a lot about um, suggestions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and the big suggestion that came to mind for me, first of all, in addressing this, um, is that Male orgasm does not need to be the be all end all of sex. What? So if you have a conversation, I, re, I know I'm totally interrupting the plot and theme of every single pornography. I and 95% thought of that the that only reason been, anybody ever had sex was so that a male could ejaculate all over a woman's boobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Or if you're into gay porn, it's a man ejaculating all over a man's boobs <laughs> or butt or wherever it's going to. No, I mean, that, that really is what we're told our whole lives, that men are going to be dominant. They're going to want sex. They're going to be out there. And the entire sexual act is about leading up to male orgasm. And that's um, like the end point. And when that happens, sex is over. Right. And then you roll over, eat some pizza, watch some Netflix. It's like Netflix and chill and then Netflix and sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we got to kind of change that expectation around. So listener, um, if you're willing to, if you're able to know that you don't need to have an orgasm, you don't need to have penetrative sex. There's a lot of other things that you can do to fulfill your partner's needs of two to three times a day that don't require you to have that kind of biological output. Mm. You know, I was just talking to a friend a couple of days ago, and she was talking about this really hot sexual encounter she had where they had their clothes on the whole time, and there was a lot of making out and rubbing against each other. And she was talking to me, and she was, like, so confused. She's like, this was one of the hottest sexual experiences I've had, but we had our clothes on. And she's like, I don't even know what we call that. And I was like, oh, that's outer course. And she's like, there's a word for that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, there's a word for all of these things because they are legitimate sexual interactions. And like, yeah, that is super hot and that is super fun and it is super amazing. And penetration doesn't need to be a part of sex ever. Right. Uh, it does. Right. So we have to kind of change our mindset. Um, now, if you and your partner both love penetrative sex, that's great. Um, hopefully you have equal libidos. But if you don't, it's about looking for middle ground or looking for alternatives. And by middle ground, um, it would be like instead of three times a day, we'll have two times a day and then you can masturbate or we'll have sex, you know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, once a day and on Saturday and Sunday, we'll have it multiple times a day and then you can masturbate or you can use toys, or you can use other partners, right? It just depends on how open you are to making sure that your partner's needs are fulfilled. Um, but I think one of the easiest things, like one of like the kind of entry-level ways to handle this is to start introducing different kinds of toys into sex, because that takes some of the, the, the onus of, you know, like erection, insertion, ejaculation, orgasm off of a man, and you can put it on a piece of silicone. Toys plus. are so great. And there are so many different types of toys. And when we use toys as part of a sexual encounter, yeah, I mean, toys always, well, as long as you have batteries or uh, you've charged them up, <laughs> they always function, right? There's no um, worry and there's no kind of anxiety about like, is this going to work? Am I excited enough? Like um, if somebody wants a sexual interaction, a toy is a great thing to include to make sure that you can relieve some of that anxiety around that pressure that might be that you might be feeling. Right. And there's a lot of men who are really afraid of using toys because they think that their partner is going to prefer the vibrator or the dildo or the ring over them. Um, there is essentially no research that shows that people prefer toys over intimacy, outer course, kissing, touching, feeling, throbbing, all of those other things that a body does that a toy can't, but they can certainly help um, help get someone off in a situation or help, especially if there's disparate or really different libidos. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, um, that idea of kind of being worried that someone will prefer a toy. I mean, I understand why somebody might think that, but yeah, I just want to reiterate that not only 
is that not proven in the research? I would say it's probably actually the opposite. People do really enjoy using toys, but it's usually, um, you know, a second choice to having an interaction with another person. And that's, I mean, and that's true all the way up into the point where people start using toys with partners, mm-hmm. right? Because often people view sex toys as a solo activity, whether it's a fleshlight or uh, some kind of vibrating, whatever it is, triangle, di- dildo. Um, they think of it as a solo act when actually they can really take any kind of sexual encounter with another person and really amp it up and make it more fun and in, in kind of last longer or shorter. Or in the case of needing sex two to three times a day, it can really help bridge that gap between two people. If someone's not willing or able to have it that many times a day. And I'm going to say that it actually can help improve your sexual communication. And I'm going to argue that because sometimes it might be scary for people to say, do you like this? Does it feel good when it's something that they are doing with their bodies? But when it's something you're doing with a toy, I think it's a lot easier for people to ask that because it's the like it's the toy that's doing it you know and i'm kind of just holding it or i'm i'm here i'm part of this but um it doesn't like fall back to criticism on you in any way and so i think it's a really great way to get people talking during sexual interactions as well and i think it's um easier to talk kind of around a toy and i think it's a great way to practice some of that actual communication during a sexual act Right. I mean, and we talk about communication all the time. Anything that enhances sexual communication with a partner is going to make your intimacy, your sex better with them in the end anyway. So working on it or using toys to help bridge that gap. Um, if it's too big, too hard, too small, or whatever, like whatever the adjective is that someone doesn't like, it's not about you, right? It's about an object, which means that you can go shopping for another object. And how fun is that? Yeah. You get to go shopping for sex toys together now, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think there's some other really fun strategies. I want to talk about one before we go on break. We, okay. We have, we have time? Okay. Um, so we talked about edging a little bit in our Blue Balls episode. It was a couple episodes ago. But something that might be really fun um, for our listener is to edge his girlfriend. Um, so since she wants sex all the time, and he's not necessarily wanting it quite as much, um, he can edge her over the course of a whole day. And that and we talked about sending sexy texts a long time ago. Um, so there could be some sending some sexy texts. There could be kind of building her towards an orgasm whether it's, you know, fingers, mouth, penis, whatever it is, and then stopping. Maybe like, oh, no, this is it. We're going to wait for you to come until later. Um, and like really building it up over the course of the day so that when she finally does get what she wants, um, she can have a massive orgasm. Um, because most of the time with edging, um, people who experience it at the end, when they finally do come, they have a massive orgasm. And a, and a massive orgasm or a big release like that can actually feel more satisfying, which could mean, in this case, the female partner doesn't need to have another sexual interaction as soon as she might have otherwise. Yeah, so it might be a really nice way to have fun throughout the day, to have fewer, like, penetrative sexual encounters, and for her to have a really fantastic orgasm. Okay, mm. so we need to go on a break. We'll be right back. BRB.
All right. So um, I think there's a couple other really important concepts that we need to nail down before we finish out this episode. Um, nail down. Nail down. <laughs> Get nailed. Um, so uh, there's this this terrible misconception that sex is an orgasm competition, that it's a one-for-one one sport. I have one. You have one. That's the only way for it to be fair. Um and I think that certainly is not true. I think that there's lots of ways in healthy relationships with good communication that you can break free from that one-for-one one ratio. Well, I mean, I would, I would say that it's actually more of a, let's make sure the male orgasms and that is what signifies that sex is over in uh, most cases. And most heterosexual <laughs> yeah. relationships. Yeah. Well, right right now, it's like a one-zero for a lot of couples where the guy gets off and the girl doesn't. Um, doesn't happen quite as much in lesbian or gay couples, right? So we want right. to make sure we talk about their situation. Like, people are much more likely to have sexually fulfilling encounters in those situations. And there's a lot of reasons why, right? Like, if you're a man and you're with another man, you're used to those parts. You have a better idea of what needs to happen kind of thing. Um off topic, Andrew. Um, but <laughs> I mean, we, we kind of need to change, especially for our listener, the question, like if, if your girlfriend wants sex two or three times a day and you don't, um, we need to kind of change the perspective. Like maybe you'll get off once every other day, but she can still get off three times a day, right? Or maybe you'll get off with her once a day and still help her get off those other two days. Um, yeah. So, well, I think we're talking about a couple things here. So we're talking about um, this idea for like how often somebody wants to have sex. So in this case, we're kind of assuming, you know, that uh, the person that asked this question doesn't want to like um, orgasm that many times a day or just doesn't feel that like sexually turned on that many times a day. But you know, it could also really be that this person doesn't even want to engage with his partner that many times a day. And, you know, in the sense where we're saying, you know, you can get your partner off and you can help get her off and you don't have to necessarily orgasm. But, you know, it could be the case that he doesn't actually want to do that, that, you know, there's there's kind of a limit to how sexual he feels in a day. I don't have three hours a day for sex. You don't? No, shit. What? <laughs> no, I mean, right. Like I can immediately, like when I read this question, I'm like, well, two or three times a day. That sounds great. Saturday, but every single day of the week, there's so many other things. Like there's a lot of reasons and rationale, right? Like, so I mentioned some of the biological ones earlier. Um, Spring mentioned some emotional or my libido isn't there. I'm not really feeling turned on. Some of it could just be time. Right. Like yeah. if each interaction is 15 to 45 minutes, three of those in a day eats up a lot of your evening. Right. So maybe there's other things that you. Yeah, it's, it, it's all sex puns. <laughs> um, it eats out your evening. Mm. Is that is that a, a better one? That's a weird phrase. It is a weird phrase. Eat, like, what are you eating out? I don't know. Like McDonald's? Gross. Mm-hmm. No, no. Um so I totally lost my train of thought. Where were we? <laughs> There's a lot of reasons, including oh, time, okay. that this could be a question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are some tips that we can give, like scientifically proven tips that will help uh, increase men's libido naturally um, and increase uh, their sexual responding. So they're more likely to have erections and better orgasms. Um, and number one is really easy and anybody can do it. Do you know what it is? What? No, it's stay hydrated. Drink, 
drink lots oh. of water. Um, overall, the most important thing that you can drink is water. You can drink other things as well, but water is the one that's best for keeping your body hydrated. If men drink more water, it helps their seminal fluids refresh after ejaculation. So it helps them go back in. Um, and it helps you overall, your whole body with cardiovascular exercise and cardiovascular responses. So that one's pretty easy. Water um, is stay just hydrated. like good for everything. It is. Now, I get, we have to put the little proviso in. Listeners, we do not want you to sit and like drink like four gallons of water at once. No, we're t- talking about, you know, getting a, a Nalgene or a water bottle and filling it up three or four times a day. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and if you're not used to drinking a lot of water and you start drinking a lot of water, this thing is going to happen to you. you, you you're going to have to pee a lot like way more than you're used to. Um, so don't start this process right before you go out, you know, hiking unless you want to pee behind every third tree kind of thing. So stay hydrated and staying hydrated is actually great for women as well, right? So for men and women, staying hydrated is awesome for you, your body and your sex. Um, the second big suggestion or tip that, that will help most people or most men and women with this is... You know what number two is? Uh, workout. Workout. Cardiovascular health. Yeah. Right? That's it. I mean, and that one that one is actually really easy, too. The, the level of working out that you have to do to start improving sexual health, it's not like crazy go to CrossFit and jump up and down on boxes or go to Orange Theory and hook yourself up to a machine and have other people judge your cardiovascular performance on a screen. You don't have to do any of that. No, it's... um. Taking a brisk walk, like taking enough of a walk that your breathing and heart rate increases. Yeah. That's all you have to do. Jogging is better. Running is better. Swimming is amazing. Um, yeah, we know and, that and, any type of cardiovascular activity, anything that gets your heart rate up is great for your sex life and your mental health in a lot of ways. Like biologically, um, what's happening, you know, you're increasing your endorphins, like you're going to feel better. The that means like your overall mental health and mental states increasing, like all of these things, not only the like physical heart part, but like all of these other things that exercise does for you, uh, they all contribute to you being in a better place in your life and wanting to have sex and to feel sexier and to engage with partners. Right. Um, and exercise increases testosterone in men and in women, mm-hmm. right? So if you exercise, that brings up your testo, which can bring up your libido too. Um, the penis and the vagina and the clitoris and nipples are all vasocongestive tissue. We talked about that in the blue ball episodes as well. Um, which means that uh, there are cardiovascular tissues that fill up with blood. So if you're doing some cardio, some kind of exercise, you're essentially training your whole body to be better at filling up with blood. Yeah, your blood flow, your circulation, like as you increase the function around these things, it's going to increase the function of your sexuality. Right. And we're not talking about like running yourself to exhaustion and then expecting great sex. <laughs> we're just talking about like slowly working your body to a place where your cardiovascular health has improved and then your sex will get better. Um, a couple other quick suggestions. Uh, number three, do your Kegels. Men and women can do Kegels. It's whenever you uh, exercise the muscles that prevent the flow of urine for, or that stop your flow. I'm of doing urine. it right now. Me too. <laughs> hey, listeners. <laughs> Take a moment. Here's Squeeze. your Kegel moment. Squeeze. Squeeze. And relax. <laughs> Squeeze. Squeeze. And relax. Okay. <sighs> we, should do, we should have a Kegels moment on every episode. We should make yeah, it a new segment. Yeah. No, that'd be real. That'd be real cheesy. Okay. Um, and tip number four, 
focus on having fun with your partner, right? So this takes us back to all of the other things that Spring and I were saying earlier about, you know, focus on orgasm or focus on completion or focus on erection or focus on ejaculation. Like if you can get yourself in a headspace where you're thinking more about having fun with this person, it's going to really handle the majority of the disparate sexual drives. Because there's a lot of anxiety that goes along with that and this pressure. And so if you focus on the anxiety and the pressure, and if that's what you're thinking about, then it's actually going to cause more problems. So if you're able to focus on what you love about sexual interactions and the fun uh, part of that, then that is where your headspace goes and then uh, your body follows. Yep. Because what is um, the most important sexual organ, really? It's the no, Andrew. <laughs> answer right. No, it's the brain. It's the brain. It's the brain, and then the skin. The brain and the skin, like the brain. The brain controls everything, and the skin is gigantic and covers mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Um, there's one more tip. Mm-hmm. One more tip, and we talked about toys earlier. Toys. Investing in a good toy or two can really help. Now, if you have a lot of money laying around. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money. There are LOL. these things called sex addles. Yeah, like, not me. Not me. Um, what about you, Spring? Do you have lots of money laying around? Um, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. That's a, great, that's a great way to look at it. Like, not now, <laughs> soon. Um, there are these things called sex addles, like the Sibian and the Motor Bunny and the Tremor. Um, that the, the reason why I'm talking about them is that there are toys that, like, the woman would sit on. Um, men can sit on them too, but it's mostly for women. They sit on them. Someone else controls the vibration and the penetration and the rotation of them. So if you are not able to continue having biological penetrative sex with somebody, you can still really take control over what they're experiencing. Um, they're really expensive. You don't have to get one like that. Maybe There's lots like of a thousand dollars. that you can get to. Okay. Can we talk about just like vibrators that we can buy for like $20? Okay. <laughs> So you can get a vibrator uh, from like a website like Alibaba for $1 and have it shipped to your house. Um, you can get emoji baiters. Emoji baiters, we love like those. 12 to 20 bucks. And then like, I mean, vibrators go all the way from like $1 to $1,000. So investing in a good toy for you and your partner, um, not feeling insecure about it, knowing that they prefer you, but this is a great kind of middle ground um, is another really great tip to help you deal with. Um, with incompatible sex drives. Not incompatible, just discordant. Discordant sex yeah. drive, right? It's- sex drives can be compatible if you have good communication yeah. with the other person and you look for middle ground and you look for ways to help the other person yeah. out. It's not, a, it's not an end of the relationship thing. It's not a gap that you can't bridge. I like, Andrew has said that a couple of times in the show, bridge the gap. And, you know, there are always ways to build those bridges in, um, you know, a lot of different ways and try different things and see what works for you to um, most effectively bridge that. Anything else we need to cover? We have some tips. We have some tips. We love, we love giving you just the tip. Yeah. Okay. What's our tip today, Spring? Well, I mean, we talked about this on the show. Um, We're just going to say get out there and get a little cardio. And, you know, maybe uh, you go listen to another one of our episodes you haven't listened to. They're usually around 20, 25 minutes. That's a perfect amount of time to get your heart rate up. Turn on an episode, go for a walk. And then as the episode climaxes, you can uh, 
finish your <laughs> finish your exercises. I don't know where this is going. Well. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um <laughs> Move your body. <laughs> just just like move it. And then finish. <laughs> no. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any questions that you would like to have answered about love relationships, sex, sexual health, STDs, whatever it is, um, just let us know. You can reach us a lot of different ways. We have a phone number. It's 413-I-RAPIT. Um, you can send us email. We're thesexwrap at gmail.com. Uh, we have a very active social media presence. So if you're interested, you can follow us uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap, and you can send us DMs and we'll respond to you there as well. But thanks for listening, everyone. Have a Love good one. You. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.